I mean, we've been around for 25 years and when we look at what people do, they don't stick to just one cause. Um, and really, again, if we look at our, we do a longitudinal study to see how people change and how civically engaged they become as a do-something member. And it doesn't matter if you stick to one cause, you will continue to be uh, empathetic, uh, civically engaged, lifelong voter, regardless if you bounce around from a bunch of different causes, as long as you stay engaged in your community. So yes, while there are people who do become, you know, they'll pick one cause at the end of the day. And when they're older, the thing is like, once you're not a do-something member, civically engaged means a different thing. Civically engaged mm -hmm. means, you know, when you're an adult, and you have kids and jobs and et cetera. So to engage means you are a regular voter, you engage in voting, you um, you know advocate on the issues that are most important to you, and then maybe you give money to certain causes, right? And mm -hmm. that's fine if that's what you end up doing. We don't expect you to continue to spend hours and hours, month over month volunteering, because that's not necessarily sustainable as you get older, um, or even when you're younger and you're busy. But we want every young person who goes through do something to end up being just a well-informed adult um, who is empathetic, who's open-minded, who's votes in their community and who gives back to causes. Um, and that's what we measure through more of a longitudinal lens. That was Michaela Batoon, who's head of campaigns at dosomething.org, which is the largest organization for young people and social change in the entire world. They work to activate over 6 million young people in 131 countries with online campaigns that inspire offline action on a range of issues. My name is Asanga Senavaratna, and this is Lantern, a podcast about young people trying to change the world and trying to understand what that actually means. Whilst I was on exchange in the US, I was lucky enough to be able to attend a social impact bootcamp in New York with uh, dosomething.org. And this was an awesome event, which had some amazing young people in attendance. It was all about giving those young people the resources and skills to allow them to create real social change in their own community. The first session that I attended was one that focused on turning ideas into action. And it was actually run by Michaela. And this was before Project Lantern had launched and we got a lot of valuable insights and connections from that day and we even got to pitch our idea at the end of the day with um, a little speed pitching session um, that they had and having attended this day um, we knew it would be awesome to get some of the dosomething.org team to share some of their own insights um, from their work and social impact journey so here's our first interview it's with Michaela um, Yasnaji and I um, talk about how we can best create uh, a social change campaign, the power of campaigns in turning passion into action, listening to the needs of young people rather than treating them as a commodity, working with uh, corporates to increase your impact, the importance of research and the need to always promote awareness with action. And before we jump in, another quick note that the audio quality on Yazazen might not be the best since he didn't have his usual microphone, but please persist um, with what is really still an interesting episode. Enjoy. Oh my gosh, a three-parter. Okay. <laughs> so you said, who are you? I am Michaela Bethune, head of campaigns at dosomething.org. So dosomething.org is the largest organization for young people in social change in the world. We have over 6 million members between the ages of 13 to 25 who are in every area code in the U.S. They're in 131 different countries, and we provide them with different tangible and vetted ways to make an impact in their community on whatever cause they're passionate about. So what I'm passionate about is giving 
young people the resources, tools, and experiences to realize their agency to impact social change, whatever the causes that they care about. Uh, and ensuring that as many people as possible, regardless of their background, regardless of access to other resources, are able to push and achieve change so we can push for, a, you know, a country, a society, a world that we all want to live in. Yeah, awesome. Um, how did that kind of passion come about? Was that something you had from a, a young age or was there like a moment that sparked that? What's interesting is answering questions like this, I feel it's really easy to look back and create a story that may or may not be true when you are experiencing it in the moment. So thinking about people ask a lot, like, how did you end up at Do Something? Sure, I can talk about like internships I've had and experiences I had that maybe led me here. But in the moment, it wasn't as if this was a job that I even knew existed or like a dream job of any sort. It's just kind of um, a random happenstance um, that I found this opportunity. So I would say in terms of how did I figure out I was passionate about this? I always cared about every cause. So I was really passionate about a lot of different types of injustice. Um, but what I realized is what was more exciting to me after working in classrooms, um, I was teaching in DC public schools and looking at some socioeconomic inequalities there um, and just understanding working with young people that not everybody has the same resources to be pushing for change based on um, just sheer luck and the situation they're born into. So I think for me, I cared about a lot, about a lot of different issues, but what gave me excitement was helping other young people um, push for the change they want to see to see a more reflective and inclusive society. You mentioned that you were kind of passionate about um, a, a lot of issues. Is that still the case or you, have you kind of narrowed it down? Because some people uh, are pretty strong on the opinion that, um, yes, it's great that, you know, people care about the environment and like um, diversity and um, mental health and different kinds of issues. But um, if you're kind of going to create the greatest impact, you should you should focus on one or two of those things to dedicate most of your time to. Do you kind of prescribe to that or do you think people can be generalists? I think you can be a generalist. I think so it's two different things. One, it's like if you were like, what's my cause space? It's civic engagement. Mm. So that's mm. about like giving people tools to push on different issues for change, whether it's within your school to adopt a new policy, whether it's at your city level, your state level. So whatever the cause is, it could be gun violence, it could be police brutality, it could be mental health. I'm all about giving people all of um, the tools and resources and best practices to push for whatever the change it is. So I guess that would be a meta answer of, yes, it's all the causes, but the expertise I have is on civic engagement um, and really seeing us as a way a organization that's in the business of behavior change. So we care about the causes, of course, but if you want to move the needle on one cause, go to that organization that focuses on it. You come to do something because you want to learn about how to push and achieve change across any type of cause that might just be the most urgent right now or might be the most relevant right now. And that's what we've seen across our members too. When you ask them, what's the number one issue you care about? 
they'll say everything. They'll say like any issue, but what mm. the actions they want to take action on, the causes they want to take action on is whatever's the most under threat at that moment or whatever feels the most relevant and urgent at that moment, not necessarily um, one cause over another. So I firmly believe that it's, it's more about getting people the resources they need to then continue to push for change regardless of the cause space throughout their lives. Because at different points in your life, different issues are going to be more under threat than others. Going on from that point, I kind of want to transition into building campaigns at, at Do Something. Um, so can you give us a bit of an introduction into to what kind of campaigns and what, what you mean when you say um, you're creating campaigns that do something like are these month-long things, are these yearly, are these protests? What, what do you exactly mean when, when you talk about campaigns? Yeah, so we have over 375 campaigns live on site at dosomething.org that we've created and vetted in-house. And we vet them according to different research studies and experts in each cause space. Because again, we're not the experts on any one cause space. We're the experts on getting young people to take action regardless of the space. So we work with, you know, organizers in every single cause space that young people care about to vet the impact. And in regard to, it's just better to tell examples right so mm. we have a campaign we ran last summer around the months of ramadan called sincerely us it ran for three months where we gave young people the tools and guides and resources they needed to create happy ramadan cards that we ended up sending to every single mosque in america so the issue that we were confronted with and talking to young people about was islamophobia and how do you start mm. shipping away at that so we actually have a campaign manager on staff who worked for many years with Interfaith Youth Corps, which is based in the U.S. and works uh, across faiths to uh, show solidarity and support, especially for those experiencing, you know, hate crimes or hate speech. And we found that creating a campaign um, that educates young people in the U.S. about what Islam is, and especially using the the holiday Ramadan, which is all about mercy and compassion um, and community and connecting that to, you know, this isn't very different than Christmas or Hanukkah or other holidays um, that are more mainstream in the U.S. And here's something you can do just by flexing creativity, create a card. We collect them all at our Do Something office in New York, vetted, went through all of them to ensure that there wasn't um, any hateful speech in those cards. And then we sent them to every single mosque in the U.S. Um, so that's an example of a campaign where we saw this is a way to change hearts and minds on the issue. Um, and then after, you know, young people participate in that, we connected that to civics as well. So here's how you can show solidarity. But if you want to go a step further, um, here are is information about hate crimes and what legislation you could be pushing for on this issue as well. Um, so that's one example. Pretty standard campaigns that we run are donation-based campaigns. So we ran one um, two summers ago called Power to the Period, where we had our members donate over half a million uh, period products to local homeless shelters, because that's some, a number one needed item that homeless shelters need um, that are actually taxed as luxury items in the U.S. So uh, it's really hard for people in homeless shelters to get those resources who need them. So our members were like, that's pretty effed up. Um, and so we created a campaign where we had them create these drives and then donate these items to those who need it. Um, so we provide those resources like location finders, how to run a drive, how to talk to people about this issue and get other people involved in your community. So those are two examples of campaigns that 
I personally am obsessed with, um, but we run, you know, a bunch more as well. Usually they go for two to three months because we want to make sure we're capitalizing on a sense of urgency and that this is part of a bigger movement with, you know, young people across the country and across the world uh, who are participating as well. Fair, fair. Um, sounds so cool. I was just wondering with, um, with deciding what issues you want to build the campaign around, um, you mentioned this sense of urgency. What, what's the kind of rubric around that? How do you actually weigh up um, which ones you want to focus on more? Yeah, I would say it's all for us, again, since we, we care about moving the needle on the issue, but we care mm-hmm. more about the young people having a fulfilling experience because we are in the business of behavior change. So we want the actions that we give our members to feel fulfilling and that they can recognize their agency to make a difference. So I think that's always another thing. If you had to look at the mix we have in creating campaigns, there's a lot of different variables and we want to ensure that it feels fulfilling and it feels valuable to take this action um, because that's how we know that young people come back and continue to take action because at the end of the day, our mission is to get young people to be the most civically engaged generation ever because the only way we can solve all these systemic issues in our world that are mostly man-made is by creating better humans who are trained to like tackle those issues so that's our main goal it's pretty meta it's pretty deep um, <laughs> but thinking about that more so um and then in regards to creating each campaign there's so much that goes into it um we really are looking at what young people are asking for in that moment and what other people in the space haven't necessarily solved for yet um and so we want to be additive so we're really respectful of all of our strategic partners who might be working on you know gun violence or they're working on climate change or whatever they're working on um you know we want to support and uplift their movement and then figure out okay the one thing that you all need is X and we can figure out where do something comes into play so we can be additive to all of those different movements. So there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, no, it sounds like it's a very complicated process, but I mean, obviously the rewards that come out of it are very beneficial. Um, I was just going to ask though, uh, so I keep hearing we when we're talking about like the issue selection process. So how many people would you say get to really get behind choosing where all these resources are focused towards? Yeah, I mean, what's great is in our office, so we have a staff of 58 people who's in New York, and on our wall, we have the phrase fight for the user, and so that's like written huge font painted on our wall, and it's something that we look at every day, and it's true, our users are 6 million young people, 13 to 25 across the world, right? So we always are thinking first and foremost about our members and what they want and what they want to take action on. And we're consistently surveying them, talking to them. You know, we're texting with 3.6 million of our members on a weekly basis. So we're able to continuously talk to them and hear what they want. And we really do that first and foremost. Um, I head up our campaigns team which has cause experts uh, looking over different cause spaces. So somebody who works in the environment space, somebody who works in the mental health space, somebody who does men- uh, racial justice, somebody who is homeless, is poverty, et cetera. Um, but first and foremost, whenever we're looking at campaign ideas, it's what do our members want and what are they talking about? So that's the number one data piece that I look at um, is what young people are talking about, what they're asking us for, how can we survey them to ensure that anything we're creating and putting resources behind, we feel is what our members want to make a difference on at this moment so 
that's the number one piece of information is our six million members. I would say they come first and then it's up to, you know, my team to, to parse through that and figure out how do we move the needle on those issues that they care about. Gotcha. Wow. That weekly engagement, 3.6 million is ridiculous. Um, how do you find a way to keep all these people so engaged? Um, that's something that big businesses would be, would die for to have that sort of engagement. Yeah. Um, I, I think first and foremost, it's treating them not like consumers, but like people that you're serving, right? So these are young people who came to us for a reason because they were either fed up with an issue or they wanted to figure out how to push for change or they wanted a community that they weren't seeing maybe on the ground next to them. So how could we provide that digital community? So I would say just first and foremost, we're always asking what they want and what they need and then providing that to them. So it's a good loop to have them in where we're not just taking from them, we're providing a, a specific value as well. Um, I will also say that the when we look at why young people don't volunteer, um, and especially in the U.S., it's due to the cost of college. Um, so they're saying, I don't have the time to volunteer. I have to work two jobs after high school and like take care of my brothers and sisters. Like I cannot go and volunteer. That sounds really nice, but I don't have the time. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were reducing that barrier for uh, young people across America. And so we do provide scholarship opportunities uh, for participating in campaigns. So instead of having a high GPA or crushing the SATs or writing an amazing essay, if you do one of these uh, donation campaigns to a homeless shelter, you can be entered for a scholarship as well. So we did want to reduce the barrier of uh, the cost of college, knowing that that's a really heavy weight on the minds of many young people across the U.S., um, across the world. But U.S. is insane the cost of college as well um and acknowledging that and giving them a value to engage with us that um addresses a serious financial need in their lives so how is um all of this funded um because you, you know you've got a, a significant team and um you know handing out scholarships and obviously all this takes maintenance um how, how does that work do you get guys get government funding are you working with corporate partners or how does it all work? We are uh, about 65-70% corporate sponsored. So we work with a lot of CSR, corporate social responsibility uh, agencies, with a lot of corporations in the U.S. who they they acknowledge now as millennials are entering the workforce that there's a need to be not just saying that you care about a cause, but showing that you care about causes. So right now, millennials, a lot of them will pick where they want to work based on the causes that that corporation actually puts money behind and invests in. So it is like a really great cultural moment where companies are moving towards that and they don't want to just do, uh, you know, cause marketing, but they want to show the real impact behind that. So we work with corporations who want to get that impact and, and help them, you know, make good on the, the brand promise that they have on the issues that they know that their employees are passionate about. So, for example, with H&M, we've worked on them with them for many years on a clothing recycling campaign where they acknowledge that um, they want to ensure that clothing that ends up in landfills year over year contributes to uh, climate change and global warming. So they wanted to get more people to donate unused clothing to be recycled into to new clothes. So what they struggled with was actually getting people to, to earn out and do that. So we were able to work with them and get young people in just the span of, you know, eight weeks to donate hundreds of thousands of pounds of clothing to avoid ending up in landfills. So those are the kind of projects we work on with corporate sponsors to, you know, put some might and some 
force behind their CSR campaigns. Um, and so that's the vast majority of our funding and our and our program model is helping corporations there. Um, and then we also do some, you know, foundation uh, funding as well to uh, invest more in kind of uh, longer term civic engagement initiatives as well. How does that work with particular issues? So um, are, are you always looking for alignment with say, you know, we want to work on this particular issue. Is there a corporate partner we have where we can reach out to who would support us? Or if there's something, you know, that really needs action, are you just willing to kind of do it? Um, I guess, independently as well? Or do you always need like that that corporate partnership? And I guess another question there is like, how do you balance the interest of young people versus the corporation if they want to push for a particular issue, but you guys know that, you know, young people aren't particularly passionate or need to be activated around this? How do you kind of balance the competing interests? Because I guess you have to acknowledge that, you know, you guys have a resource of so many engaged young people that obviously is a very valuable um commodity for these companies and they want to tap into that. How do you kind of balance those interests? I guess there's two questions there. Yeah, I would say we have amazing corporate partners. And the reason why they're coming to us is because they acknowledge that we do have not just a a list of members, but that we do have expertise and understanding about what they care about, what they're passionate about. And so if they come to us with an issue and we're saying, hey, look, they don't care about this issue. This isn't the most relevant right now, but what they do care about is this, and this could be something you all get behind. Um, they're incredible and they wanna do what young people care about and they wanna do um, what's going to be impactful. So we're able to have those like really great and honest conversations with corporate partners because at the end of the day, they also, the ones that we you know work with, they wanna also make an impact uh, and they wanna be whatever's relevant and um, of the time with young people too. So I feel that, due to our um, expertise and our work with young people, that it doesn't really feel as much of a tension as it's just an ongoing conversation. So if they come in initially with maybe a certain idea, we can help make that idea a reality, or sometimes we help shift it into what young people are really passionate about. And that's why they're coming to us to begin with, is because they want to understand how to mobilize young people to make an impact. So I wouldn't say it's not necessarily attention since we are able to have those conversations about what just makes sense for both the the corporation's goals as well as what's going to make a real impact with young people. When when you've um, kind of decided on an issue then, what's the, the process to kind of break down the issue and think about what kind of tangible actions um, that young people can take. So maybe if you could walk us through, like you, you had this issue perhaps with, you know, Islamophobia, how did you get to let's um, get young people to write cards for Ramadan? Like what, what's the process to get to that point? It's so long. Um, <laughs> I would say that sometimes you have a brilliant idea for an action and it just you basically based on your, your experience, maybe the campaign team here, they're all have organizing or activism or cause expertise background. So they might be like, hey, this is something I've done on a college campus or at my last job, we did this and maybe if we scaled it or changed it. So sometimes you have ideas like that and then you just verify the impact um, and you verify that our members would be interested by running it by you know a subset of our users. Um, but typically say it's like Islamophobia 
and this is what we do a lot with these huge, hairy, systemic issues, is just is really a lot of research into what people are doing in the space. And so Adam Gardner, who created that campaign on our team, he had contacts again at the Interfaith Youth Corps, at Shoulder to Shoulder, at other organizations that do a lot of organizing around Islamophobia. And he was just was steeped in research. Um, and basically from that, what you need to do is not like academic research, but just organizing research and pulling out insights that you think, huh, this one organization on the ground in Kansas did this one thing that seemed like a nice idea. What if we scaled it? What if we provided more resources behind it, etc.? So usually that's where it comes from is talking to people on the ground in the spaces who are already doing the work and they really understand that the cause spaces really well and then figuring out where to do something adds a unique value. So it's usually a balancing act of going like deep into academic research, deep into behavioral research. Um, I always consider our campaigns mass communication campaigns because it's all about the framing of new issues, making it digestible, and then making it actionable. Um, And so that's always like the crucial point in the research process is, okay, great. We know the theories of behavior change behind lessening religious discrimination and tolerance in the U.S. amongst this demographic. Now, how do we um, make that actionable? So I think it's a combination of going back and forth between um, different studies and then also just like examples of comparisons of organizations on the ground doing the work. So usually it it takes a long time. Mm. And then we always run it by, we run it by young people to say like, is this something that you would do? Why or why not? And then we can finesse it a bit more. Um, Yeah. And then we roll it out. Also with uh, some of the campaigns, um, you've got celebrities on board as well. Um, how do you guys get celebrities to kind of activate around your campaigns as well? Yeah, um, love a good celeb. I think for us, it's more about in, uh, influencers, which is like the, the hot word now instead of celebrities, like A-list TV stars are okay. But we know that influencers who have a tribe following, like YouTubers who have like people will do whatever their favorite YouTube star says and like they truly believe them because they're authentic and they care about the causes and they're not just, you know, doing a plug or a promotion or an ad. I think the more authentic influencers we can get to support our campaigns. Um, so if somebody is already really into doing um you know, environmental work. And that's what their YouTube channel is about, is about like DIY environmental hacks or whatever it is. Mm. And getting them to support one of our environmental campaigns, we just see a huge amount of engagement from their tribe followers because it feels authentic to what they're already passionate about um, and less of kind of like this weird plug for a company. Um, mm. So I think influencers are incredible because they establish that authentic relationship with their with their viewers and, you know, they're, they have a digital networks um, and we're a digital network. So I think it like is a seamless transition to go from digital YouTube stars who are talking to their viewers about a do something campaign that then you could go online to do. It's like very um, seamless in that way. So we love working with them, you know, probably our best, uh, a good example of an influencer we've worked with um, for years is Sean Mendez and he's great. And he always, we do a campaign with him called notes from Sean where, you know, he came to us and he really is passionate about 
mental health um, and specifically about self-harm and body image in that regard. Um, and so it's a very, you know, simple, straightforward campaign about putting positive sticky notes up, especially in like public bathrooms and locker rooms where people uh, we know from research, those are moments of high anxiety, especially for high school students, um, and just to write a positive uplifting note. And so that's something that has gone quote viral and um, he's mm. super passionate about it and speaks out about it a lot on his social channels and a lot of his followers will text in to you know do the campaign with him and support something that they know that he cares about um, and then they get engaged with do something which is great because we can keep them engaged on other issues moving forward you kind of we kind of talked about building the campaign now uh, maybe let's change tack to, to actually executing one how do you reach these young people so you got this idea with um, again, let's draw back to, I guess, the, the Ramadan cards. Um, how do you get the message out to, to young people and get the, the information on how they can actually be involved? Yeah, so we text message with that um, 3.6, 3.7 uh, million SMS um, members. And so with them, we know with young people that text message has a 97% open rate, whereas emails wow. have a 30% open rate. And so that's just the demographic. You're not going to open these spammy emails all the time. But if it's on your phone, you know, what our members say is that they text with their mom, they text with their friends, and then they text with Freddie. And Freddie is our director of mobile messaging, who's been texting with our members for six years now and is like a real person. It's not a fake persona, <laughs> um, who's one of my close friends. And Freddie's great. And Freddie personalizes the messaging. So it doesn't just feel spammy. It's a real person who will segment to our different followers based on the issues they care about. Um, we usually have their birthdays so we can be like, hey, we know that you're under 18. Here's an action to do in your high school versus those over 18. Here's something to do um, maybe more related to political activism, to voting on a college campus. So we can segment based on age, based on the issues they care about and actions they've taken with us before. Um, and then, yeah, the types of actions. So maybe they always do a make something campaign, like those more artsy, craftsy campaigns. Or maybe they always do our take a stand campaigns that are a little bit more activist-y. Um, so we can segment based on that. And, and that's a big way we engage them. So while we do email with them, um, we also text them. Um, and that's that's the main way that we're getting these calls to action in front of our members are those two mechanisms. Then, of course, we have big social media followings on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, wherever the kids are at. So we, we try yeah. to establish some partnerships with um, apps like After School and other integrations that we know are big in high school communities, messenger bots. So we're trying to be all the places where young people are at and then integrate the calls to action seamlessly into how they're using the platforms to make it, you know, again, as authentic and effective as possible there. Mm. You, you mentioned um, about kind of personalizing the message, say, perhaps around um, a young person's birthday. Is there any other way you kind of um, tailor messages or um, tailor your overall messaging to make, I guess, that young person feel included in something that's often, you know, much bigger than themselves? And, you know, if there's you're reaching out to upwards of three million people, how do you make that, that one young person in that one high school um, still feel like they're valued and part of something? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're all about, and a lot of our messaging is about collective action, where one person alone doing something is 
okay, but then a bunch of people together makes that mm. systemic impact that we want to see um, and changes kind of this culture around civic engagement. Um, so I do think it is a balance. Um, we do know that our members, they report feeling like the most fulfilled in an experience with us when they do feel they're a part of something bigger. So we know that's our best value add is showing that this is part of an ongoing movement that's urgent, that's relevant, that's right now. Um, well, also, I think what we, we do is important is giving them segmentation based on issues they care about. So we can say, we know you've completed two racial justice campaigns. So that's why we're asking you to be a part of this. Like we can look at their mm. user history and what they've done with us um, and customize it a bit in that way as well. So based on previous actions, based on where they're at, so if we have their cell phone number, we can make assumptions based on their area code about where they are in the, the country. Um, and so we can surface customized, um, you know, events and data and information based on their state or based on their area code as well. So we can provide customization there. Um, based on things that we know that might be happening in their community. Excellent. Um, so I guess I've, we've heard a lot about your relationship between, you know, the campaign organisers and the people on the ground. Um, something that I've noticed a lot in volunteering organisations is that if you really want people to show up, you sort of develop a friendship between all the volunteers. So how does the sense of community work um, mm. between volunteers? Is there forums? Is there a place where people feel like that all the young people are united? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So what we find is that a lot of young people will end up do something members, they sign up for a campaign, and then they'll do it with uh, an offline community. So <clears throat> while we provide them with the actions online, they'll like take those and then go back to a school club or an after school program or their religious community, their friends or family, whatever. Um, and then they'll bring that campaign to them to do together. And then they'll send us updates about it and send us photos from doing the campaign. So that's usually how they end up doing it is kind of offline in their own communities, which is our goal is to really, um, primarily give them the tools they need to push for that change at the local level and then show that it is connected on the larger scale. Um, we have been experimenting with different ways to let our members communicate to each other digitally and virtually as well, but not as heavily as them kind of being the agent in their own community. And how do you reach people in um, other countries? Because I guess some, some of these issues um, can seem quite um, US-centric, um, for example, like gun control. Um, is quite a U.S. Senate issue. Are you are you reaching members in other countries as well outside of the U.S.? Yeah, so we have members in 131 countries, and most of them have found us organically. And again, so we have like 375 campaigns, probably more than that. I don't know. I apparently head up the team, but I don't remember the specific <laughs> number right now because we just pop about. Um, but we. We organically, I would say, you know, we have three campaigns a month that we're focused on. What we always do is we, if it's something that, you know, is U.S. centric, since that's the vast majority of our six million members is based in the U.S., um, we we will offer those that aren't U.S. centered, you're able to access them across the right. world, right? Um, and so certain things you can be doing in your community around, um, you know, those that are less systemic in nature. So we have a bunch of just volunteer campaigns, whether it's um, recycling or donation based or, you know, mental health. Like there are certain things that aren't systemic, aren't pushing for policy. And those mm -hmm. are the campaigns that we see people doing 
around the world and just organically finding uh, and completing as well. And so that's we always want to make sure that within our campaign mix of the hundreds of campaigns we have available, there are things that are resonating and relevant around the world. Then really, if we think about the the strategy behind global efforts, um, we're really doubling down this year on our core experience. So the the product that you see online and the the community that we're trying to build there before we really take it global, so to speak. So we do have partnerships um, with a organization in Brazil and an organization in Mexico and an organization in Indonesia. Uh, Those were the three areas where we organically were seeing the most traffic and members signing up in those three markets. And so we did partner, um, you know, probably a few years ago, started these partnerships to start building out campaigns for those markets, because we're never going to be an organization Mm. that in New York City is figuring out how to best get Mexican teenagers to solve Mexican systemic issues, right? So we want to make sure we're partnering with people on the ground in Mexico to develop those campaigns. Um, And we give them training on how we develop campaigns, but we want them to be going out to their communities, doing research within their, um, you know, uh, communities in Mexico to ensure that they're creating the most effective calls to action. And then Mm. if you go to do something.org slash MX, you'll see all of our Mexican campaigns that are translated into Mexican Spanish. Um, And then do something.org slash BR is all of our Brazilian campaigns in Brazilian Portuguese. Um, So those are campaigns that I've, uh, you know, consulted and advised teams on the ground in those uh, countries to create uh, in the same with Indonesia as well. Um, So that's really where we see value moving forward is yes, right now there are some things that are universally relevant that we create in the U.S. that you can do around the world and it makes sense. Um, But the best way for us to move forward global would be to double down on partnerships who are doing work on the ground in those areas, just like we double down with um, partnerships in different cause spaces. Um, Mm. You know, we're not never going to be an organization that's able to create campaigns that are equally as relevant around the world Mm. from our American perspective, because that would just be stupid. So if if you have a kind of one-off activation around a certain period, how do you kind of keep young people engaged in fighting for that issue once the campaign's ended is that something you're trying to do or is that is it more just let's center around different campaigns that we're running and tie them into a certain theme and build on previous ones or are there ways you can kind of keep young people engaged in a particular issue if they want to keep on campaigning for it yeah that's an interesting um assumption or thought process that even people here have had that great let's level them up to continue to take action on Mm. gun violence or great let's keep them taking action on the environment but that's not actually the natural organic behavior that we see i mean we've been around for 25 years and when we look at what people do they don't stick to just one cause um and really again if we look at our we do a longitudinal study to see how people change and how civically engaged they become as a do something member and it doesn't matter if you stick to one cause you will continue to be a empathetic a civically engaged lifelong voter regardless if you bounce around from a bunch of different causes as long as you stay engaged in your community so yes while there are people who do become you know they'll pick one cause at the end of the day and when they're older the thing is like once you're not a do something member civically engaged means a different thing civically engaged mm. means you know when you're an adult and you have kids and jobs and et cetera. So to engage means you are a regular voter, you engage in voting, 
you, um, you know, advocate on the issues that are most important to you, and then maybe you give money to certain causes, right? And mm-hmm. that's fine if that's what you end up doing. We don't expect you to continue to spend hours and hours, month over month, volunteering because that's not necessarily sustainable as you get older, um, or even when you're younger and you're busy. But we want every young person who goes through do something to end up being just a well-informed adult um, who is empathetic, who's open-minded, who votes in their community and who gives back to causes. Um, And that's what we measure through more of a longitudinal lens. So again, not necessarily wanting to push them just to care about one cause, but to be Mm -hmm. a well-rounded holistic human. Um, And so, yeah, we do, we follow up with them and say, hey, you all did this action. This was the impact. Now what we're focused on this month is X. Um, So we're just trying to get them into the behavior of month over month doing something at least mm. because we know that we can see from research that if they at least just do something each month then they're more likely to be that kind of like ideal human once you've kind of put a campaign out there how do you actually measure the impact it's having and i think um i guess with something like the cards um, ramadan cards it's quite easy in terms of like how many people actually sending you cards in but I'm, I'm thinking more about like those campaigns with, say, the post-it notes on the bathroom wall. How do you guys measure how many um, people are actually kind of taking action on, on your calls to action that you send out? Yep. So we ask for our members. We say Pixar didn't happen. So we ask them to send us photos of them <laughs> completing each action uh, at the end of it. And literally, my team reviews tens of thousands of photos every month of young people completing them to verify manually the impact. So if we don't have a third party verification, for example, H&M that counts the pounds of clothes for us or cards that are physically in our office, we always ask them to send us a photo. And what we ask to be in the photo is what's verified by our partners that, yep, taking a photo of that shows that they've done this action that moves the needle on the issue. So we always have verified impact per campaign um, and research that backs up like the photo that we're asking for is impactful. And then we manually go through all those photos. Um, Just to pivot a little bit um, in terms of your very, very large community that you've got, um, do you find that you're getting people who are interested in volunteering, but have never volunteered before or people who haven't thought about it? Like what is the type of uh, interest profile that you're initially latching onto when you bring someone in to do something? Yeah, we consider ourselves a gateway to volunteerism. So we're really looking at those people who haven't yet figured out how volunteerism or activism or advocacy can regularly fit into their lives. Um, And so if you look at it as a bell curve, we have like we call them the presidents on one end. Presidents are presidents of, you know, their key club, their club in their school. You guys are probably presidents, like super engaged people already um, who are awesome. And that's great. And they're going to find, do something and already complete our campaigns and be all about it. Um, But we're not targeting them on that end because we want to target the vice presidents and the followers who are people, the vast majority of young people fill fill into that part of the bell curve um, where they just need to have a really good first experience volunteering in order to want to come back or a really good first experience as part of the movement, a part of activists um, to get them to re-engage. So that's the persona that we strive to market towards. Um, then at the other end of the spectrum, it's like technically slackers, but I just don't believe that anybody is really a slacker. So it's a very small subset of humans, um, but we don't necessarily market towards presidents because we love presidents. They're great. They do our campaigns already. They get their friends involved. Um, but, they're the ones who already know what do something is. We want to target people who 
don't think civic engagement is cool or don't see how it can be relevant to their lives. Yeah, no, that, again, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a very well thought out process. Um, so just listening to the sort of examples of the um, of the campaigns that we've ran, that you've ran, um, what would you say is the divide between more uh, awareness related campaigns and then ones that are more um, like direct impact driven? Some, you know, something like, for example, the H&M campaign. Yeah, so what I always say is that we're allergic to awareness only. None of our campaigns are just awareness. They need to be rooted also in by sharing this information, you're educating somebody and we know sharing um, about this issue will change is likely to change their mind on the issue or is likely to change their behavior. So if you share certain information about like um, reducing your carbon footprint, there are certain tactics that you can use in mass communications that will actually result in a behavior change on that issue um, to adopt more, you know, um, environmentally friendly habits. So whatever we create, yeah, we're all about raising awareness, but we want to, you know, for example, sending those cards that doesn't just like raise awareness about Islamophobia. It actually has a direct impact into reducing prejudice of your yourself as you're learning about um, Islam and Ramadan. It also results in um, an increase in feeling gratitude and feeling solidarity and less uh, anxiety for the receiver and the beneficiary who is receiving those cards. So we always ensure that any campaign isn't just awareness only, but is actually attached to, to real impact. So every single campaign has an impact sheet that verifies that this campaign is going beyond awareness that can actually result in um, tangible change, whether that's changing hearts and minds, which does feel less tangible, but it is something that you can measure. Maybe um, putting ourselves in the shoes of a young person who's passionate about an issue, but um, there's not necessarily a, a do something campaign uh, around this. How can, what, what's your kind of advice if someone, you know, in their local high school um, or university, wherever they are, um, is, is passionate about something and wants to do something about it, but doesn't necessarily have like a, a formal campaign they can kind of get around. What's your advice for, for that young person to kind of create something? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we lead, you know, boot, social impact boot camps on this, uh, where we do trainings on the ground um, in select cities. And we're trying to expand that program to give young people those tools to create their own type of campaign, right, in their school. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bunch of different steps to it. I mean, first and foremost, it's identifying one clear problem um, and not just the symptom of a problem in your school, but really thinking about what's the root of this problem. Are there policies in place? Is it a lack of funding? Um, Are there other stakeholders involved who are reaping the benefits of this problem being in place that I'm only seeing the negative consequences. So really assessing the problem, doing a cause rate analysis, and then figuring out where you can make an impact with the solution. Um, And so there's helpful ways to go about that. But I think delineating and getting it down to one clear problem and then one clear solution that you know by enacting that solution will solve directly that problem and not just the symptom of the problem, but the problem itself um, is like the first step. And then it's all about information gathering are you the only person who cares about this problem? Who else cares about this problem? Um, both because they're either benefiting from it or they're being oppressed by the problem or whatever it is um, and getting as many opinions as possible. Because you're never going to be able to really solve a problem on your own. You'll always need somebody at some point of it. So really thinking about how you can get other people on board to help support your cause um, and to, to sign off on that. So doing a lot of information gathering because perhaps your perspective on the problem is very limited uh, to your own experience and you're, you're not taking into account how broad the effects it can be.
So I'd say it's like find one problem, one clear solution, and then talk to as many people as possible because that can shape how you go about it, you know, implementing the solution and reaching your achieved outcome. Mm. And with um, kind of getting the word out to to people and reaching out, um, how do you kind of tailor that message so you do appeal to those people, like you were mentioning, are on the other end of the spectrum, like the followers, the vice presidents? Because I feel sometimes, you know, with kind of – these people who are presidents are like socially impact, really embedded in social impact. They're sometimes feel like they're kind of barking up a, a tree and like they're the only one shouting about a particular thing. How can you kind of make this something which is cool to get around that um, you're, you're attracting not just like those those niche people, but again, the people on the other end of the spectrum? Well, stop shouting at them. I think <laughs> thinking about um, it, kind of a joke, but kind of real. Thinking about your if you're so wrapped up in a cause, and I understand this, where mm. you get why this is important and urgent, and everyone needs to rally around it. It's more coming from a place of being an active listener to other people and how they're interacting with this problem, and figuring out like does this affect other people who aren't already riled up about it um, and what's the value proposition to them because at the end of the day how to make it cool how to make it relevant it's all social norming we know that the number one reason why people are doing one campaign over another is because their friends are doing it and so if that's mm. true and it's less about the cause and it's less about the urgency or relevancy it's about if their friends are doing it then make this a social event um, figure out why what's the barrier of why people aren't doing it now I'm too busy. I have too much work to do, whatever it is. Um, and then figure out how you can provide something of value to them, whether that's making it into kind of like a pizza party, a fun thing to do with friends, a way to network, a way to um, get some free help for school or whatever it is, um, something else that they want from it. Um, that always works. And then incentives, thinking about whether it's social incentives, a random raffle, if you participate in this, um, you get this other experience. Um, We always just think about what are other ways to get people in, because once they're in and once they have a good experience, they're more likely to keep rooting for this cause. But if you have to go through some other unconventional ways, not just based on pure altruism that's fine because Mm. nobody is purely i firmly believe nobody's purely (laughs) doing it for solely altruistic um purposes there's other reasons why maybe it's fulfilling to lead a group maybe it's fulfilling to feel like you're doing something positive in the world you're getting something out of it that's you know beneficial to you maybe you know we say we can sign off on volunteer hours if that's something that your high school requires so just like thinking about other value propositions um you could provide people yeah and if, if you've kind of been hitting roadblocks, um, how do you kind of um, stay stay motivated um, around an issue? And I think drawing this into like what's happening with um, the kind of March for Lives movement and this, I've never before seen this, I guess in my lifetime, the resurgence of like focus on youth activism and young people being able to actually enact change and like people just getting around, it's amazing. Um, and there's this moment at the moment and it's like everyone's inspired and activated. How do you kind of harness that? And when there's moments of more of a, a lull in kind of interest or excitement, how do you kind of stay motivated or if you're hitting roadblocks, um, kind of keep on going? Yeah, I think as much as possible, it's about, um, and it depends on where you are in the movement. If you're somebody who's organizing it, then it's, you want to be saying, Hey, 
This is what just happened. That's a win. We know this is going to be a lull in between. Here are things you could be doing in between, but we have another big moment coming up. For example, National School Walkout Day on the anniversary of Columbine on April 20th, right? There's There are other moments. And right now what they're doing during this quote lull is, hey, members of Congress in the U.S., they're on recess. So have a town hall with your local member of Congress or um, make sure you're making phone calls. So provide other even lower barrier ways to stay engaged um, and to stay connected on the issue and disseminate information because it doesn't always need to be that high uh, organizing moment, but just make sure that you're continuously providing ways to get engaged because I think that's sometimes when things fall short is you have those big moments, but then you don't follow up with even smaller ways to stay engaged because it doesn't seem as big or audacious or exciting as the big moment, but it's really important to provide those, those smaller steps as well. Uh, this is again is something we, we normally like to ask. Um, is there anything else uh, I guess you'd like to add based on you know knowing that the, the young people are listening are kind of interested in social impact, they want to make a difference and also is there any kind of um, books, films, resources you would recommend for young people um, who want to make impact or something that's kind of inspired you? Obviously there's do something, get on that but um, apart from that. Yeah, go to do something.org. Um, but also, I would say, yeah, it's so much to think about. You don't have to, there's, I think, March for Lives and the students from Parkland, but also the students who have been organizing around gun violence in Chicago and New York for Black Lives Matter, who have been working mm-hmm. in on the forefront of gun violence efforts across the U.S. beforehand. Um, the students from United We Dream who've been working on DACA and Dreamers mm-hmm. and protections there on immigration. Young people have been leading every movement that's happened in social justice Ever. Um, and so I think for me, it's always just just thinking about that you don't have to grow up to be a full agent of change. You can push for social change regardless of, of your age and your background and your experiences, because that's the only thing that's ever achieved change in the past. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel there's there's a few books I can like send you cool. uh, afterwards, but I'm just thinking there's like one called Blueprint for a Revolution, um, which is all about just um, this, this group that um, helps organize around the world on um, uprisings against governments that have all been led by young people. There's just like a lot to be inspired by um, and to know that this isn't a a requirement of you to be a certain age or to have a certain degree um, or to have certain educational background or whatever it is in order to achieve this change. Everyone's just figuring it out. If there's anything from students around gun violence have taught us, it's old people have been trying to figure it out for so long and have failed. So like, screw the old people, like young people are the only people who are going to actually change this issue. So I would say any type of imposter syndrome that young people feel, it's old people don't know what they're doing either and they just have way too much confidence. So screw them. You guys are the future. That's all I got. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Michaela. Really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to our 14th episode of Lantern. That again was Michaela Batoon, who's head of campaigns at dosomething.org. You can find all the resources that Michaela mentioned, of course, how you can get involved in dosomething.org campaigns in the show notes. Um, If you did enjoy the show, please, please do leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us grow and share these amazing conversations with more and more people across the globe. If you can't wait for more, episode 15 will be live across all our platforms in two weeks' time on Sunday. That's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or wherever you get uh, your podcasts. You can also keep up to tabs with the latest content that we're pushing out on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitter, which are all under Project Lantern underscore, all one word. And of course, on our website as well, projectlantern.com.au. If you do have any feedback for us or just want to say hi, you can reach out to us 
anytime on social media or via email at hello at projectlantern.com.au. Again, we're really excited to have you on this journey in creating a global launchpad for youth-led social impact. Till next time, stay awesome.